All right. Well, welcome, King's Church. So glad you're with us today. I want to welcome everybody at all of our locations. <laughs> welcome everybody on the west side of St. John, everybody in Halifax. I can't wait to come see you guys. And of course, in Charlottetown and everybody watching online, wherever you are, part of the King's Church family. We are so glad that you are with us today. Hey, and congratulations one more time to all the people who got baptized today at all of our locations. We had a couple at West as well. These ones weren't even like planned. We just had people coming to us saying, can I get baptized? And that's an awesome problem to have to facilitate. Amen? If you have a Bible, I'm not going to tell you to turn anywhere because you're going to be all over the place. Any old school people, it's going to be a bona fide sword drill up in here today. We're going all over the place as we continue our series called Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to say how proud I am, like Jesus proud, not in the sinful kind of way, but in like the, like the fatherly way. I'm very proud of the way our church has tackled these last few weeks as we've been looking at what's uh, an entry-level topic in some ways that being filled with the Holy Spirit is supposed to be normal Christianity. However, these sermon times we've been spending have not been entertaining per se. Uh, we've been diving in, doing seminars and teaching, and like, this is full-on learning, and y'all have been up for it. So thank you so much for the way you've been leaning in. Listen, not every church values transformation over entertainment. I heard the, oh, it's true. It's true. It's very easy for us, even as Christians, to come in and view church like Netflix. Come and satiate me for an hour or so, and I'll go back about my business. But you have been leaning in. Look, you even see it in the early church. The Apostle Paul, when he's ripping on the Corinthians, look what he says. He says, uh, you know, I didn't address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants. I gave you milk, not solid food for you. To, you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. Like, how about a lecture on a Sunday morning? He says, you're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Not every church is ready to go deeper, but you guys truly have, and I'm grateful. So today is no different. Next week, we're going to culminate this series, and it's going to be just an incredible time in the Lord. But today, I have one more week of teaching that I think is going to help. We're just taking our time over these weeks to try to get real clarity and expectancy on what the Spirit wants to do. Now, to catch you up, for those of you who weren't with us over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. The first week we talked about how there's the God, God is three in one. He's the Father, He's the Son, and He's the Holy Spirit. And that at salvation, when we believe in Christ and we are saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. He was working on us before we believed. He was working on us when we believed. And He's working on us after we believe. And we looked at how the Bible actually tells us that there's this other thing that happens that when you are baptized for the first time in Christ Jesus and you believe in faith, you receive the Holy Spirit, but God now wants you to be baptized in his spirit where the spirit receives all of you. And this is what we've been talking about for the last couple weeks, this greater work that the spirit wants to do in our lives. And we've looked at who the spirit is and we've looked at what happens when the Holy Spirit fills us with our lives. And I've been encouraged to see how God's been growing us in our hunger and starting to draw us beyond our maybe presuppositions, our history, our baggage, our, our, you know, maybe we closed conversations that should have remained open. And I am really thrilled with how it appears God is pulling our church toward him. 
There is a growing testimony in this very diverse church, people from every type of background. The testimony, regardless of age and stage and denominational experience, or maybe you came from an atheistic background, regardless, I have heard people pressing through maybe some fears and uncertainty and saying the same thing, that I believe God is calling me to experience more of his presence. And if it's him, I want what he has for me. Can I get an amen in the church? I I sense that is where our spirit is at. So today, I'm not going to be long because we already spent time in worship and baptisms and we're getting on in time, but I want to hit a couple things. This is our last week of important teaching. So get your notepad out. You might need to go over this stuff at a later date. Just follow along as best you can. But I want to look at this question of now what? How do we go about being filled with the spirit? We talked about who the Spirit is, what He wants to do, what happens when He comes. Okay, now what, what do we do? How are we filled with the Spirit? I'm going to answer three quick questions today. How the Holy Spirit fills us, when the Holy Spirit fills us, and why the Holy Spirit fills us. Are you up for it? Are you ready for it? So we want to just dive in. We're going to hit these really quick. Get your note taker out, get your notes out, your phone, whatever you want, because this is really important stuff. So how, when, and why the Holy Spirit fills us. Now, for those of you who missed last week, we learned something very important. When it comes to theology, when it comes to building our understanding and our framework for who God is and what to expect with our God, we don't just do it haphazardly, but we do it. We, we looked at something called a quadrilateral last week, and we talked about it's based, our theology, stay with me, is based on four things. The authority of scripture, Christian tradition, reason and logic, and experience. And from those four things, we start to piece together our expectation about God, our theology about who he is. And we're going to do that today as we try to answer these questions based on scripture, based on Christian tradition, based on human reason, and based on experience. Make sense? All right. So how does the Holy Spirit fill us? How the Holy Spirit fills us, how it happens, like what, what is going on when the Spirit fills us. All right, we got three things you need to know when it comes to how the Spirit fills us. First, the filling of the Spirit happens corporately. Corporately. The filling of the Spirit happens corporately. What do I mean? Communally. It happens in connection with other believers. When we receive the Holy Spirit, in most cases... I'm going to say most cases, and I'll say this over this series. We're going to paint with fairly broad strokes, but when it comes to God, it is always important to leave room for exception. God likes to break his own rules. God likes to get, not his own rules, your rules. I should say that. God never breaks his own rules. God likes to break your rules. And so sometimes, some, I've already had people come up to me and say, well, when I was filled with the Spirit, it happened this way. And I'm not doubting that. I'm just presenting to you that this is the way, generally speaking, according to the Scripture and tradition and reason and experience, this is how it generally goes. It's dangerous territory to think of yourself as the exception to the rule. So just take this in humility, but I have found, and the Scripture supports, that when it comes to being filled with the Spirit, it usually happens in Christian community usually comes in, in, in community with somebody else corporately. Look at how it happened in Acts chapter 8. We know in Acts 2, the Spirit came upon the church when they were all together in one accord, it says. 
And then it says in chapter eight, let's look at this. This is interesting. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So you have believers there that had not received the Holy Spirit. So look, because... I just read it, Brent. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. So they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So you see this human contact happening when the baptism of the Spirit came. It's right there. It's there all through the book of Acts. You see the presence of other believers, that God likes to move through community. And it shouldn't be a surprise to us. This stands to reason. God, we just talked about a couple weeks ago, God is community. Father, Son, Spirit. And He designed the world to work in harmony with each other. He designed us to live and move in community. He designed nature to work in tandem with itself, within community. This is how it works. Don't be surprised. The same way electricity needs a conductor, a positive and negative pole. Don't be surprised that the Spirit likes to flow through conduction, through people. This is how it works. I have noticed in my life, Every major encounter with the Spirit of God has happened through the context of other believers. Every single one of them. If the, even if that means, I, there was one time I had a brother, a prophetic guy lay hands on me, just me and him in my office, and the Spirit moved in power, but it was still community. I've been in worship gatherings where the Spirit moved in power, it's community. I've also been by myself where the Spirit came and overwhelmed me, but that, was, that began in community. It's very important that you understand this, that God moves, the Spirit likes to move and come in the context of community. Number two, so it happens in community. It also happens decisively. I don't know how to go back to that, but the word is decisively. Let's look at the next scripture. Look look what happens. What do I mean by decisively? I mean, obviously. I mean, tangibly. I mean, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you aren't really wondering, did that just happen? You, you know when the Spirit moves upon you. Anybody, can anybody testify to that? Like, like you, you know when the Spirit moves upon you. you. You can tell. And this is what you see in the Scripture. In Acts chapter 19, look what Paul, Paul had taken the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. So Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Why do I point that out? Well, one, again, it shows you that two different things happened. They were baptized and they believed in Jesus and were saved. And then they received the Holy Spirit as Paul laid his hands on them. But also, how did Paul know they hadn't received the Holy Spirit? Because it was obvious. Like Paul shows up in Ephesus and he goes, okay, something's off here. They're missing something. And so he starts asking probing questions. What baptism were you baptized in? And did you receive the Holy Spirit? In other words, it's obvious when somebody is walking full of the Holy Spirit. 
You can tell they're full of joy. They're full of peace. They're walking in the presence and power of God. You can tell. And we saw this even this week. I'll testify a little bit about what happened in our staff context. Our staff has been journeying together in this series a few weeks ahead of you guys. And we, this past Tuesday morning, spent a few hours worshiping and praying. And the Holy Spirit came and touched every single one of our staff this past week. It was so powerful. And you need to go ask. Ask Pastor Adam, ask Pastor Seth, Josiah, ask Johnny, Lisa. It was incredible. Our whole team was there. God moved on every single one of us. And here's the thing I took away from that. You could tell. You could tell that the Spirit was moving. For some, it was instantaneously overwhelming. Like Pastor Adam, he was just moved. There was a power that fell on him where he was just instantaneously overwhelmed. But I talked to Tracy, my colleague, and she said, you know what? It's been growing since then. I felt it was very real in the moment, but since then, my peace has been rising. And we talked about that last week. We said sometimes the Spirit comes and falls on us in a flash flood. Other times it's a rising tide. But either way, its end is being overwhelmed and aware that the Spirit has moved in my life. And so you will know that the Spirit has moved. So it happens decisively. So how does the Spirit move? It happens corporately. It happens decisively. And number three, I told you we're going to move fast. Get your note taker out. Where does this keep going? I keep losing my number three. Okay, look, look fast. You ready? Repeatedly. Repeatedly. It happens... Repeatedly. <laughs> what do I mean by repeatedly? I mean repeatedly. The Holy Spirit fills us more than once. Salvation is a one-time event. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a lifestyle. And it is something that God wants to do over and over and over again. Remember my awesome clip art week one? You're welcome. Uh, it, it, it shows how we grow in grace and how God will take us into seasons where he'll dump his grace and power on us. And then over time, as we learn to walk in grace and power, God will almost draw back and we'll go through times of crushing and pressing and emptying where we get dry and hungry and in need of a fresh work. And that's where a lot of us are right now. That's why I believe there's a window of appointment on our church to receive something fresh because so many of us need it. But God will bring us into that place so he can fill us again and again and again, we constantly need the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you read Ephesians, the, the text that, I, that launched the title of this series, Ephesians, Paul says, do not be drunk on wine, but be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when it says be filled with the Holy Spirit, the actual Greek verb in there is a continual filling. It's like stay filled with the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to constantly be seeking the fullness of the Spirit of God in your life. Be filled with the Spirit. And, and this is biblical. If you look in Acts, we find on the day of Pentecost, what happened to the, Holy, to the, to the church? They were filled with the Spirit, right? And then within, I don't know, within the same year, at least, might even have been months or even weeks. We find in Acts chapter 4, the first time the church starts to see some pushback from the world, look what, look what happens. It, it tells us that they were meeting together in one accord again, and, and uh, P 
Peter and John were praying and Peter prays, stretch out your hand, heal and perform signs and wonders through your name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit two times in the first four chapters of the scripture. What, now, why, why do we have to get filled multiple times? Well, one, we leak. Anybody follow Jesus long enough to know you leak? This is why I, I always say this. I'll meet so many of you, and I'm so excited when I do. You'll come up to me. Maybe you had your first radical encounter with Jesus, and you were on fire. And I say, thank you, God, for your work of grace. And then I, I, but what I always think is, I can't wait to see you in two years. Like, talk to me in two years. Start walking the walk and following Jesus and learning how to abide in his presence. But we leak, we leak, don't we? And I think God designs us for that. You know why? To keep us coming back to him. So we don't come to him and get a filling and then go off and try to live apart from him. And so we constantly need to seek the filling of the Spirit. So how does it happen? It happens corporately, it happens decisively, and it happens repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Number two, I told you, we're going to move. Are, are you with me? All right, West, Halifax, Charlottetown. All right, when does the filling of the Spirit happen? Like, like, when does this take place? Again, three quick points. First, the Spirit fills us when we seek it. We see, when we seek the filling of the Spirit or when we seek Him, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is not an it, He's a Him. Look what, look what uh, Peter says when he's speaking to the crowd, wondering what's going on. He says, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, what, what's that mean, who, who obey him? Why is obedience connected to the receiving of the Spirit? Well, it has to do with seeking him, that we actually need to seek. When, when Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find. Seeking is a literal verbal term that, that it communicates actual, tangible output of energy. A lot of the time, we like to think seeking is just intellectual agreement. Like, yeah, that would be good. That's not what seeking is. Seeking is actually arranging your life. It's pointing your life unto the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to seek when we aim ourselves at more of Him. So how do we seek the Holy Spirit? Well, first, repent of known sin. We don't like the R word, do we? Repent of, no, I heard of the fact. Someone's telling the truth, at least. Repent of known sin. If you have, if you're, if you are doing something all the time and you know it's against the will of God, repent. That's one of the ways we seek. Or if you're not doing something that God has asked you to do, repent, be obedient. The spirit fills those who obey him. Repent. The other way that we seek him is through consecrating ourselves. What does it mean to consecrate ourselves? It means to set ourselves apart. So one way the Spirit moves in us is when we are obedient. Also, when we start to carve out more space. So I have found in my life this, this to be true. To the degree that I make room for the Spirit to inhabit my life is the degree that I experience the Spirit. Like, let me say this, and this might, I hope you hear me the right way. God loves every one of us the same. Jesus died for all of us, every single one of us. But we do not all experience God the same way. 
There is variance in how we experience God, and it has nothing to do with God's love for you or desire to give himself all the way to you. It's how much do we have room in our life to actually receive the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes I have prayed to God and said, God, I want more of you. And he begins not by just pouring himself out on me, but by carving out new space, saying, Brent, I want you to stop doing that. I want you to start doing this and make space. So for the last few weeks, I'll just tell this to encourage you not to flex. I have been, I've been fasting, setting apart different things and just saying, God, in this season for my life and for our church, I'm going to seek you in an intentional way. And so when we seek him and we make space, so some of you I'd encourage, even as we come into the next week, maybe, maybe ask the Lord, Lord, what is getting in the way? It might not be sinful. It might just be getting in the way. What is getting in the way for you to access me? Is it what I'm watching? Is it what I'm occupying my time or my mind with? God will tell you and say, hey, give that to me and I'll give you what's better. So that's how we seek. So he he comes when we seek. This is what Paul meant when he said we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We lay our lives down. We give ourselves. We don't conform to the patterns of this world. We align our mind, our body, our whole life with God. And then you'll know, it says, what God's will is. So there's an actual physical, tangible component to all this in our seeking. But don't get it twisted. I'll, I'll come back to that in just a minute. But you, you do play a part in this. So we receive the Holy Spirit when we seek. Number two, we receive the Holy Spirit when we ask. When we ask. And again, this is not intellectual agreement. It's literally saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. With your mouth, not with your head, not with winking. It's like actually saying, Father, fill me with your spirit, verbalizing it. I have found this to be true. I don't know how to say it any other way. My son is leaving right now, and I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) He'll never do it again. I have found, I love him so much. I have, it's Father's Day too, and he's leaving his dad's sermon on Father's Day. I have found that the kingdom, hear me, the kingdom is voice activated. Like you read your Bible, there's so many, there's so much evidence of people verbalizing their faith and the spirit of God doing work, God doing work on the other side of it. Go back to Jericho, what happens? When they shouted, the walls came down. It's interesting, even when the spirit fell on them, he gave them a voice. See, the spirit, we actually have to verbally ask. This is true, not just in the kingdom. This is true, like in your body, there's power in your voice. Uh, some of you might have been in counseling before. I've found this even in Christian counseling, pastoral care, uh, people who are struggling with unforgiveness that need to forgive someone. It's incredible to me how easy it is for people to talk about forgiving. It's a whole other thing to say, I forgive them. Has anybody ever seen that? Maybe you've experienced that yourself. Maybe there's someone you're like, yeah, forgiveness is a great idea. But then when you get tested on it, giving it voice gives it a power that you have to yield to. And this is true in your seeking of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit fills you when you ask. You actually have to to put voice to it, to speak it out. Now, some of you are like, well, what if a person can't speak? (laughs) I'm sure God in his infinite wisdom, glory, kindness, and goodness will figure out something for that individual. But for all of you who have voices, 
Use it and say, God, fill me fresh with your spirit. Welcome back, son. (laughs) Happens when we ask for it. Number three. Oh, number three. Number three. Oh, let's actually look at that. This is, this is Paul talking about prayer. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I love that. Other translations of the ESV says, make your request known to God. Another one says in the NLT, it says, tell God what you need. And here's a question. Does God not know what you need? He sure does. That instruction is not for God's benefit. It's for your benefit. It's to give voice to your faith. And that's what the principle here is. You need to speak it out. You need to actually ask the kingdom as voice activated. Think about when you were saved. How were you saved? What's Romans 10 say? It says, if you confess with your and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. You have to ask. And some of you are like, well, where does it say you have to ask? Um, Jesus says you have to ask. Look, Jesus speaking on prayer and talking with God and voicing our, our, our selves to God. Look what he says. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. The children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So he's speaking already saying, you have to speak it out. Be audacious in your request. Now look what he goes. He says further. He says, now God isn't that cranky guy that you're waking up in the middle of the night. Look what he says. He goes further. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? From the Lamb's mouth, right there. If you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he will give the Spirit to you. Just hear that. Hear that invitation. So we, we, it happens when we ask for it. Number three, I told you I'm flying. I'm almost done. It was a... Quick one today. Number three. Oh man, these quick. Get ready. Get ready for it. Get ready. Get your note taker. Here we go. <laughs> it, it happens. That's what I should just stick to my normal thing. It happens when we believe it. When we believe it. When we believe it by faith. It happens when we believe it by faith. What do I mean by that? Believe it by faith. I mean, when you received Christ, what did you do? When you became saved, what did you do? Like your salvation, how much did that depend on you? Like very, very, none. This was something that Jesus did on your behalf and we receive it how? By faith. 
Say, I, I believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. You also receive the Holy Spirit the same exact way, by faith. I ask the Father and in faith I believe he shall give it to me. Give the Spirit to me. We believe by faith. That's how you believe. Don't misappropriate asking and seeking. Those are about consecrating space, but it's not about qualification. You don't receive the Holy Spirit by stuff that you do. And listen, Christians have gotten into the weeds with that over the centuries, thinking that we can convince the Holy Spirit to do stuff for us or that we can control the Spirit. Actually, and we'll talk about this in August when we talk about life with the Spirit, we're invited to be controlled by the Spirit, to actually yield our lives and let the Spirit dictate how we live. So don't misappropriate asking and seeking. Ultimately, you, like next week, I believe there will be hundreds of you that are going to come to church, we're going to worship God, and we're going to just humbly and simply say, Father, we believe that you have invited us to receive your spirit in us, and we are asking because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross that you would give us the spirit today, and we receive the spirit by faith. And that's all we're going to do. And we're going to believe that God in his goodness is going to be true to his word, and he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. We receive by faith. Amen? So just everyone just relax. We just receive by faith. We don't receive by doing things. Look, look, look what Paul said. Paul was ragging out the Galatians. He was, he was a little grouchy at times, Paul. Like, you, you have it easy at church. Just saying. Like, I, Paul says, you foolish king's churchers. No, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. He's so sarcastic. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by what? By believing what you heard. You received the Spirit by humble, childlike faith that God really is that good, that Jesus' work on the cross really, cross really is that complete. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. And that's the main reason that next week, some of you are going to receive just fresh, just a fresh touch from the living God, because God is that good. And because you mustered up the courage and faith to ask, and that'll be that. It's going to be awesome. That's why on Tuesday, we saw every single one of our staff, I don't know, 30, 31 or something like that. We saw every single one of them receive a fresh touch from the living God, not because they prayed some incantation or controlled God or made him do something that he didn't want to already do, because they presented themselves and they said, God, I need a fresh touch. And God in his goodness did that, and he will do it for you. So that's how we receive. How do we receive? Well, it happens when we ask for it. It happens when we believe by faith. Final thought. I'm going to invite Keys to come back. Uh, Kim, if you want to bring the next one up. I don't have control here anymore. Why the filling of the Spirit happens, we'll look, number one, just go ahead and click it again, I got all kinds of, because God designed it so. So we talked about when it happens, we talked about how it happens, but why should you believe that if you ask God Almighty, 
Lord of heaven and earth, creator, the sustainer, the Lord of heaven's armies, if you ask him to fill you with his spirit, why would he do such a thing? Like what an audacious request. Well, here's why. Number one, because God designed us for his spirit. This is why you were made. You were made to hold and house, to be a temple of the living God. God created you in his image and he breathed the breath of life into Adam. This is why we were made. We were created for this purpose. Jesus redeemed us for this purpose. And we are destined for this purpose, to actually walk in communion with the living God by the Holy Spirit. If you read your Bible, like read Genesis this afternoon, go and read Genesis 1. Do you know what God does? He forms things and then he fills them. He fills what he forms. Read it. God made the heavens and the earth and God filled the earth. God made the sea and he filled the sea with fish. And God made the air and he filled the air with birds. And God made the land and he filled the lamb with animals. And God made the man and the woman and he filled them with his breath. God fills what he forms. God made the tabernacle and filled it with furniture. He made the holy of holies and filled it with his glory. He incarnated himself as the son and the spirit came upon him and rested and remained on him. God created the church and filled the church with his spirit. God fills what he forms. So, so why will God fill you? Because he made you for his presence. What an awesome thought. To receive the Holy Spirit is simply to step into your grand design, into your destiny. God has destined you to know and live through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why will God fill, fill you? Because he's purposed it. Why does the sun rise and set? Because God made it that way. Why does the moon circle the earth? Because God made it that way. Why do the tides come up? Because God made it that way. Why, does, why do plants bloom in the field and seed and create more plants? Because God made it that way. Why do women carry children and give birth to them? Because God made them that way. Why do you have the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as a temple of the living God? Because God made you that way. That's incredible. That's why Paul says, do you not know? You are a temple of the living God. How incredible. So he will fill us because he made us that way, because of grand design. Number two, he will fill us because the Father said so and the Son said so. The Bible says, I, God says, I am not a man that I should lie. God is true to his word. And it tells us that no word that he has spoken will ever return void and it will accomplish its purposes. So when Jesus says, it's better that I go so that the Father can send the comforter, the helper, it's better and you will do even greater things than this. When the Father promises, look what he says, Ezekiel 36. Press it one more time there for me, Kim. Oh, that third one does not want to work. Let me just read it over you. Read this. I will give you, Ezekiel 36, this is the promise of God. Actually, all our locations, close your eyes and hear the word of God Almighty. Listen to this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone 
and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I will put my spirit in you, says the Lord. Let your spirit hear that. Let your spirit leap. I will put my spirit in you, says the Lord. Why will he? Because he said he would. Final thought, and I'm going to pray and you'll be done. Why will the spirit fill us? Number three, I don't know if it'll come up. It won't. Because Jesus made a way. Because Jesus made a way. Jesus lived, died, rose again, ascended to heaven, and poured out the Spirit for us. You can be confident that God will fill you, not because of anything you've done or didn't do, but because of what Jesus has already done. I just feel like it's really important, church, that we're aware of like religious spirits that try to like position ourselves in such a way with God. That's not what this is about. The reason the Spirit of God, the living God will fill you is because Jesus died on your behalf, tore the veil of separation between heaven and earth. He made a way. And all we need to do is turn ourselves and believe and ask and God will put his Spirit in us. We don't receive the Spirit of God because we did right or wrong. We receive it because Jesus did right. No one who has been filled with the Spirit since Pentecost deserved it. Let me just say that over you. No one who's received the Holy Spirit in and of themselves deserves it. But in Christ, there has been a way made and we can receive the Spirit fresh. So next week, let's bring a last slide up here, Kim. Next week, we are going to come together and we are going to pray. And so here's, here's your marching orders. We've been intentionally taking our time this month doing teaching because we have, again, a bunch of you. Some of you, you come from backgrounds that are like really amped up about the things of the Spirit, maybe even to a fault because you, maybe, maybe it was like destructive. I don't know. And some of you come from backgrounds that like this really freaks you out. And so we've been taking time to just say, hey, what does the Scripture say? What does Christian tradition hold up? What's logic say and what's experience say? And I believe that God wants to encounter you. So three things I want you to think about for the next seven days and come back next week, y'all. Come back. We're just going to worship. It's not going to be fireworks. It's not going to be, I'm not going to do cartwheels. I'm not bringing a shofar, so relax. But we're just going to come and humbly say, God has appointed a window for us to receive something fresh. And every one of you under the sound of my voice could use a fresh filling of the life and power and communion and peace and glory of the living God. Amen? If you don't think that's you, then you, you, are, you are deceived. You need the Spirit of God in you to bring you to life. And so here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to seek intentionally. Ask God today, what does it look like for me to seek you for the next seven days? Is it to get up early and spend a little extra time in the Word? Is it to pray? Is it to fast something? I don't know. He'll give you direction. Just consecrate some space for Him. And then we're going to come. We're going to ask humbly. We're going to worship. We're going to celebrate communion. Remind ourselves that it's by grace that we even get to ask. 
and then we're going to receive freely and believe that God has heard us. And I believe it's going to open a new window of a new season over so many of us and over our church. How's that sound? All right. So stand to your feet, everybody, all our locations. Let's pray. And we will wrap up. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence even these weeks as we have tried to define and refine our understanding. And Lord, we just, we recognize our limitations and yet God, we can sense your grace and goodness meeting us where we're at. And so Lord, I even pray over King's Church. I agree with you, Jesus. I agree with you, Father. I agree with you, Holy Spirit, that we need a fresh filling of your spirit. And Lord, we sense your desire to give yourself to us, every person, young and old, rich and poor, new Christian or longtime saint. And so, Father, I pray even today, would you help us, give us wisdom to seek you for these next seven days. Give us faith to believe that you would open a window of appointment for us and give us refreshing, that you are doing a new thing, open, opening up a new, a new season, that you are creating streams in the, in the desert, ways in the wilderness, Lord. Thank you. And God, help us just have peace as we receive a fresh filling of your spirit. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray these things and all God's people said, amen. Amen. amen.